Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. I'm Jim. Thank you for riding along today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived at our webpage, you can find places where you can listen to our podcast, our Boomer's General Store where you can buy Baby Boomer Tales merchandise, a link to where you can purchase our book, Got a Job, links to social media places like Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and to our YouTube channel where we also have videos. I'm glad you're with me today. I'm glad I don't have to travel this old road by myself. Speaking about being by myself, I walked up to the mailbox yesterday and all of a sudden I became very, very lonesome for my old dog, Maxie. She passed away last October and I made the decision not to get another dog. It had gotten harder and harder to leave and find a place for her to stay. The kennel I used to put her in, it was a really nice place out in the country all of a sudden after the COVID lockdown. The lady decided she didn't want any big dogs anymore. She just wanted these little yapping dogs. And if you have a little yapping dog, that's fine. I mean, I love all dogs, I do. But out here, a little dog just probably wouldn't even make it. I say over and over how I'm not worried about coyotes or anything, and that is true, but if I had a little bitty dog like a little chihuahua or even a small small little dog, they could be in danger because they kind of look like a rabbit to a coyote, I'm sure. And rabbits are part of their basic food group. So I always had a dog at least 50 pounds, 50 to 100. That seemed to be the weight of all the dogs I've ever had. And I missed old Maxie running up there with me, going to the mailbox. That's about an eighth of a mile up the road. And she'd always go up a little bit before me and check out the gate there. I have a neighbor about a, I guess he's about a quarter mile up the road. His dog come and poop and pee there at my gate, and that was kind of like getting email for a dog, I think. She'd get all excited and smell and walk around and show great interest in the fence post and all that stuff. She was a really good dog. You know she was? She was just so agreeable and likable, and she was a gentle soul. Although she'd kill her share of rabbits, kill snakes, she really did her job, what she was hired on to do here. She kept that wildlife away pretty well. Now I have bunnies and squirrels up on the porch, not even caring. But that's not why I miss her. I miss her because of the fellowship a dog can give a person. How you pet her and talk with her, just like she's another human being sometimes. Tell her how wonderful she is and tell her all your troubles and all your cares. What you think of this and what you think of that. What you're planning on doing and what you decide to heck with it, I'm not going to do that. And that dog sit there like you're the only person in the world. Pay attention to you like nobody's business. A lot better than most people would pay attention to you. And show you that unconditional love didn't matter what. Maybe this all kind of started day before yesterday. I was digging through one of my drawers in my office. 
and I came across a little bitty collar and it said Sandy on it on a little tag there and it was about the size of a chihuahua would wear and I realized that that was Sandy's collar when she was a puppy when we first got her we must have put her in a collar we lived up in town and I always had a collar on my dogs anyway in case something would happen they at least know that belonged to somebody they always had a tag on but like Maxie would throw those tags rub up against things or have it rub so much it'd fall off after a while and she never left home anyway never really ever strayed off the property so I just stopped replacing the tags for her she replaced Sandy and Sandy lived to be about 16 and Maxie died at 14 and a half seemed too young to me but we kept care of my daughter's dog while they were building their home in Colorado. And Maxie had started acting quite old right before old Fog came to live with us. And that dog coming to live with us perked her right up. And she started acting like a puppy, running and playing and frolicking. After we sent Fog home, after about almost two years, all of a sudden, old Maxie started aging and aging. And she really, she died within several months of fog leaving. Just died of old age. Maybe died of a broken heart. I know when she passed on, it broke my heart. And I'll probably visit this on this podcast again. There's nothing like a dog. Nothing in this world like a dog. Our song of the week is... It's My Party by Leslie Gore, produced in 1963 by Quincy Jones. The song lyrics were inspired by one of the songwriter's daughters, Sweet Sixteen Party. Her name was Judy, and she cried because her parents wanted to invite her grandparents to the Sweet Sixteen Party. It hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. The sequel to this great song, It's My Party, was Judy's Turn to Cry. Nobody knows where my Johnny has gone, but Judy left the same time. Our unusual fact, people used to say prunes instead of cheese to get their picture taken. Well, in the 1840s, a London photographer started to tell people to say prunes. And that was designed to keep their mouth kind of tight. Well, that explains why in those old pictures, nobody smiled. Say cheese. (coughs) Speaking about feeling nostalgic, I ran across something that showed my old friend Terry a picture of him. And it got me really thinking about Terry. Terry was a fast friend of mine. He was really my best friend besides Wayne. And Wayne, you know, I speak about Wayne all the time. have a little segment called Forky and Earl around here. Wayne and I were the same age. Well, Terry was two years older. So I was trying to think about how I first got to know Terry. And it had to be through Wayne's big brother, Ray. Terry and him were the same age, and I think Terry and I kind of hit it off on some things. We all collected baseball cards when we were kids, and that was one of them. Terry and I started playing 
electric football, and that is with this big board that vibrated. And you had these little football players that vibrated down, up and down the board, and it was it was fun. It was you know kind of like football in a way. Terry painted my players, and we had a league. We each had, I think, two or three teams. Several years ago, I decided to try to find some friends that I had lost contact with over the years, people that weren't on Facebook. And it's funny, some of my closest friends were not on Facebook. So I found Dwayne and got back in contact with him, and we still exchange Christmas greetings. But we caught up a little bit, and uh, that was really good. But I also found Terry, and I got back and I read those emails that when we first got in contact a couple years ago, maybe three years ago now, and he told me about his life a little bit, or he had been married for 40-some years and had two grown daughters, and he still had my electric football players. I gave them to him, and he was into painting little soldiers and stuff and recreating famous battles. He belonged to an association that did that. It was kind of like what you would see war games with these generals trying to figure out how battle was going to go on or, or how it was going on and stuff. And so they recreated this stuff. And he actually had a little business where people would send him their figures and he'd paint them in authentic colors and uniforms and whatever. And I thought that was quite fascinating. He also was a member of the high school band and got a scholarship to the University of Colorado. He was a saxophone player. I remember he's the one that encouraged me to try out for the high school band when I was in eighth grade. I made a podcast about that one, about my cornet. and I was not the musician Terry was by any means. He was in the marching band at CU. He majored in some form of music there and graduated and became a music teacher and spent his life teaching young people the fine, beautiful world of music. I always kind of envied that a little because I'm not musical and I speak about that once in a while. My wife is quite musical and if I ever knew anybody closely besides my wife that was so musical, it was Terry. We played baseball by the hours when we were kids. He taught me how to be a catcher. Terry was never real athletic. He would have made a great coach. He would have made a very great baseball coach because he understood the mechanics and what you had to do. His body just was not blessed athletically. Not that he, anything was wrong with him, but he was kind of small and not like one of these big strapping guys. He didn't play high school sports or anything, but he understood these games much better than most of these natural athletes do. He gave me the gift. He taught me how to be a catcher. And I do believe in my heart that if we had organized baseball past Little League when I was growing up, like they do in the mountain towns anymore, they have high school baseball teams and stuff, that I could have maybe went on and played that for several years more just because of Terry. His parents, Leo and Rose, Leo was an electrician and their home was at their storefront in town. 
had a showroom and then if you walked through this one door it put you into their living room the showroom had like some appliances in there and he'd go in and Leo would do business with you whatever it was I'm not exactly sure exactly what he did electrically Rose Terry's mother worked at the hardware store for years and years as their bookkeeper I talked about going up to see her one time her office was the space that was high above the sales floor and it was all wide open and you could watch the sales floor from her office it was amazing to me we had a video of Mike part of the family that owned the hardware store and we talked about Rose and that office and that hardware store you can find that on uh, YouTube if you just hit the label called live it puts you into all of our videos Terry's parents would take me and Terry up to their cabin up by the lake they built this cabin I think by themselves and they were always working on it and would take us on a Sunday and Leo would do something and Rose would make us lunch and stuff and he'd work around the house and Terry and I'd play and have fun and I remember like public radio was always on there was no TV in the cabin up there and that is a cherished member I'll always remember just spending a Sunday up there probably you know I bet I'd go up there five or six times a year for several years we did that Rose always drove some kind of a little Volkswagen that was really my only time I ever knew anything about Volkswagens is when I rose with Terry's mom until peace and love and it was cool to have a Beetle or a Volkswagen bus remember those Beetles they still make them they're different though than the old ones Terry also had a brother Melvin and I remember him and his wife when they were probably first married lived in a little trailer just half a block from my grandma's house from grandma and grandpa there and we'd go there and they'd have like football games on TV and stuff and we'd sit and watch some football years after I got out of school and Terry was long gone he had grown up gone to college went off to wherever he was going well I worked at the trading post there in town and one day I saw him he came in the store he's standing over there by some ball caps so I walked over to him and I says hi how you doing he said hello I says you know who I am and he acted like he didn't know who I was and then so I told him and I thought we'd all jump up and down hit each other in the arm and kid and laugh and push each other and like when we were kids and he was polite and everything but he almost acted like he didn't know me and it crushed me and it hurt my feelings and through the years I became very bitter at him for that and it took me until I was in my very late 60s or early 70s to turn that around in my heart and find him and all that bitterness I don't even know why I got that way it melted and went away and he wanted to talk on the phone you know we emailed back and forth a, a couple times after I found him and figured out how to contact him and stuff and my hearing such that I just I blow off talking on the phone most of the time I'd, I'd rather chat or email now my new hearing aids that I got just a couple months ago finally it figured out how to put it into my hearing aid where it's 
very clear and good. So now it's all good to talk on the phone. I can do that much easier now. But then I couldn't, and I blew that off. Well, just maybe six months to a year after I made contact with Terry again, I got an email from his wife, and she explained to me that he had passed away. Terry had something wrong with him, and I have to think that he was battling that when we contacted, and he probably did want to speak with me. And, you know, regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I'll mention that one. I should have talked with him. I should have put my struggles aside and done my best to talk with him. I would have just said, huh, what, and all that a lot, but my friend passed away. I'm glad that I forgave him and overcame that stupid thing that people go through with vain imaginations, letting bitterness and unforgiveness take over a part of their lives that has no business being there whatsoever. My friend Terry was a good, good guy. In preparation for this, I found a picture of him on his obituary and I saved it to my pictures. And now it'll come up every once in a while on my computer screen, on my screensaver. I have a slideshow there that will show one of my many thousands of pictures that are on my computer for about 20 seconds and then go on to the next one. I know when I see it, I'll smile and I'll get a little melancholy. And I'll thank God for blessing me with good, good friends. Wake up every day with a grateful heart and always be kind. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.